Hello, this is Doc Dante of Zero to Sixty, and I'm listening to Inner Tea Talk with Milani Shani. Milani's mission is to help inspire and facilitate global empowerment using alternative technologies to clear old cellular memory and to illuminate the light of authentic living. Milani has dedicated her life to promoting well-being in the community and helping others to thrive and grow in every area of their lives. and love my beautiful sippers this is milani shani and i'm so excited to bring you this podcast on today which is love day valentine's day 2020 i'm a little bit under the weather today so i am going to um i am rebroadcasting one of my um past radio shows that i had when i was doing conversations with goddess m the five love languages um this is a really great show um, for you to listen to. It talks about love, love being a choice and not bringing your single into a relationship. Lots of good gems um, in this broadcast. So I'm bringing you that today for you to be able to sip on as I am in my healing lodge, healing and purging. I will be back with you next week. And thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the podcast. So one of the things I suggested when I was sending out the link for the show is that you go to fivelovelanguages.com and get your, uh, find out what your love language is. And so um, if you haven't done that, we want you to go ahead and do that because later on we want to open up the phone lines and we want to find out what your love language is. And if you've known your love language for a little bit and you've been working with it in your relationships, we definitely want to hear what's working for you, what's not working for you. And if you um, just are finding out your love language because of this show, we definitely want to assist you in knowing more of how you can use your love language and also help others to speak your love language as well. So we're going to go ahead and move right into our truth serum today um, and talk about, uh, we're going to be speaking from the book um, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman today. Excellent book. It basically talks a lot about marriage and couples, but I think it's an excellent book for anyone who's in a relationship who has a mate because a lot of the concepts that he shares in his book has it, we can use relationship-wide. So we're going to start our truth serum. We're going to read a little bit from um, Gary Chapman's book, Five Love Languages, and really delve into um, what this is all about and how we can really use these uh, languages to uh, support us uh, through this time. I wanted to go back and just tell you what the love languages are so you could kind of marinate on it while we're going through this. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And so those are the five love languages. And everybody has like a primary love language. Sometimes you may have two primary love languages. I have a friend who has two primary. His is physical touch and words of affirmation. 
So for him, you got to, you know, you got to do both. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I want to get into, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So those are the five love languages. So just marinate on that a little bit while we move forward. So I'm going to be reading a little bit from Gary Chapman's book, Five Love Languages, um, and the name of this chapter is called Reality Intrudes. Welcome to the real world of marriage where hairs are always on the sink and little white spots cover the mirror where arguments center on which way the toilet paper comes off and whether the lid should be up or down. It is a world where shoes do not walk to the closet and drawers do not close themselves, where coats do not like hangers and socks go AWOL during laundry. In this world, a look can hurt and a word can crush. Intimate lovers can become enemies and marriage a battlefield. What happened to the in love experience? Alas, it was but an illusion by which we were tricked into signing our names on the dotted line, for better or for worse. No wonder so many have come to curse marriage and the partner whom they once loved. After all, if we were deceived, we have a right to be angry. Did we really have the real thing? I think so. The problem was faulty information. The bad information was the idea that the in-love obsession would last forever. We should have known better. A casual observation should have taught us that if people remained obsessed, we would all be in serious trouble. The shockwaves would rumble through business industry, church, education, and the rest of society. Why? Because people who are in love lose interest in other pursuits. That is why we call it obsession. The college student who falls head over heels in love sees his grades tumbling. It is difficult to study when you are in love. Tomorrow you have a test on, on the War of 1812, but who cares about the War of 1812? When you're in love, everything else seems irrelevant. A man said to me, Dr. Chapman, my job is disintegrating. What do you mean, I asked. I met this girl, fell in love, and I can't get a thing done. I can't keep my mind on my job. I spend my day dreaming about her. The euphoria of the in-love state gives us the illusion that we have an intimate relationship. We feel that we belong to each other. We believe we can conquer all problems. We feel altruistic towards each other. As one young man said about his fiancée, I can't conceive of doing anything to hurt her. My only desire is to make her happy. I would do anything to make her happy. Such obsession gives us the false sense that our egocentric attitudes have been eradicated and we have become sort of Mother Teresa, willing to give anything for the benefit of our lover. The reason we can do that so freely is that we sincerely believe our lover feels the same way towards us. We believe that she is committed to meeting our needs. He loves us as much as we love him and would never do anything to hurt us. That thinking is always fanciful. Not that we are insecure in what we think and feel, but we are unrealistic. We fail to reckon with the reality of human nature. By nature, we are egocentric. Our world revolves around us. None of us is totally, totally altruistic. The euphoria of the in-love experience only gives us that illusion. Once the experience of falling in love has run its natural course, 
Remember, the average in love experience lasts only about two years. We will return to the world of reality and begin to assert ourselves. He will express his desires, but his desires will be different from hers. He wants sex, but she's too tired. He dreams of buying a new car, but she flatly says we can't afford it. She would like to visit her parents, but he says, I don't like spending so much time with your family. Little by little, the illusion of intimacy evaporates, and the individual desires, emotions, thoughts, and behavior patterns assert themselves. They are two individuals. Their minds have not melded together, and their emotions mingled only briefly in the ocean of love. Now the waves of reality began to separate them. They fall out of love, and at that point, either they withdraw, separate, divorce, and set off in search of a new in love experience, or they begin the hard work of learning to love each other without the euphoria of the in love obsession. Some couples believe that the end of the in love experience means they have only two options resign themselves to a life of misery with their spouse, or jump ship and try again. Our generation has opted for the latter, whereas an earlier generation, often uh, chose the former. Before we automatically conclude that we have made the better choice, perhaps we should examine the data. According to a substantial body of research, the divorce rate for second marriages is at least 60% and rises when children are involved. Research seems to indicate that there's a third and better alternative. We can recognize the in love experience for what it was, a temporary emotional high, and now pursue real love with our spouse. That kind of love is emotional in nature, but not obsessional. It is a love that unites reason and emotion. It involves an act of the will and requires discipline, and it recognizes the need for personal growth. Our most basic emotional need is not to fall in love, but to genuinely be loved by another, to know a love that grows out of reason and choice, not instinct. I need to be loved by someone who chooses to love me, who sees in me something worth loving. That kind of love requires effort and discipline. It is the choice to expend energy in an effort to benefit the other person, knowing that if his or her life is enriched by your effort, you too will find a sense of satisfaction, the satisfaction of having genuinely loved another. It does not require the euphoria of the in love experience. In fact, true love cannot begin until the in love experience has run its course. We cannot take credit for the kind and generous things we do while under the influence of the obsession. We are pushed and carried along by an instinctual force that goes beyond our normal behavior patterns. But if once we return to the real world of human choice, we choose to be kind and generous, that is real love. The emotional need for love must be met if we are to have emotional health. Married adults long to feel affection and love from their spouses. We feel secure when we are assured that our mate accepts us, wants us, and is committed to our well-being. During the in-love stage, 
We felt all of those emotions. It was heavenly while it lasted. Our mistake was in thinking it, wouldn't, it would last forever. But that obsession was not meant to last forever. In the textbook of marriage, it is but the introduction. The heart of the book is rational, volitional love. That is the kind of love to which the sages have always called us. It is intentional. That is good news to the married couples who have lost all their in-love feelings. If love is a choice, then they have the capacity to love after the in-love obsession has died, and they have returned to the real world. That kind of love begins with an attitude, a way of thinking. Love is the attitude that says, I am married to you, and I choose to look out for your interests then the one who chooses to love will find appropriate ways to express that decision. So this is really awesome because I have spoken to hundreds of people and couples about this, um, really about this, um, he calls it the in love obsession. Like we get into relationships and it's like, oh, this person is, is the one for me and, and, and he does this and she does that and we just have this feeling. It's just this chemistry is what I call it because it's not really connection if it doesn't last. When you're connected, your connection never ceases. It never breaks. But the chemistry that you're feeling, the fireworks, the chemistry will cease and according to Gary Chapman's book, Five Love Languages, it ceases after um, two years. So maybe before that, but that's do, uh, through the research that's been done, it can last that in love obsession feeling, lasts about two years, and you're done. And so I want to cover a few things that he said because this is very, very powerful because he talks about um, how, we have to, how we have to have discipline to be in love. So once that in love obsession ends, that euphoria that we're feeling, that good feeling, now we have to really decide and make a choice as to whether we're really in love or not, whether this is really the relationship that we're going to be in. Is this really, do we really want to put forth the effort and the work and the discipline? A lot of times in relationships, there's that those two things are null and void. You know, people say love shouldn't you have to shouldn't have to work. I'm like, really? Anything that is worth having, you have to work. Anything that's worthwhile, you have to work. There's commitment. There's discipline. There's work. And again, we talked about earlier that people are your mirrors. They're really showing you you, and it may, you may not recognize it because it may be an amplified version of you. Like they may be ten times what you are because they've come to show you. So if they weren't ten times what you are, then you wouldn't get it if they didn't amplify it. And a lot of times we don't get it because we're playing the blame game. They did this. They did that. But we need to really understand what love is all about and what love requires. Love requires these, these, you know, these times when it gets tough right after that obsession goes away and you have that euphoria, and now it's like, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that my mate knows 
that I'm here, that they're genuinely loved by me, okay? Because what he says is it love, um, when we're finished with the obsession, he says it is a love that unites reason and emotion, and it involves an act of the will and requires discipline, and it recognizes the need for personal growth. So when you come into a relationship, what are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody to save you, somebody to speak to your pain, somebody who doesn't do what the last person did? Or are you looking to step into a relationship to grow and heal? That may be a different concept for some of us, okay? But it's, it's a real concept. It's a true concept. Because we do come into relationships for that reason, whether it's a friendship, whether it's an intimate ship, whatever it is, whether it's a workshop. And if you really look at it, a lot of the experience that you've had that you may call bad experiences um, are really growth experience, if you really, really look at it. You came into the experience and, you know, you didn't really, you know, really like what happened, but you grew you grew from it. And so that's the reason why we want to have this discussion because we want you to look at love totally different. Because for me, love is a vibration that vibrates from you. Everybody who steps into your, your, your space should feel it. It's not about something that we give and take when we feel like it. You know, I love you. Uh, you didn't do what I wanted you to, so no, don't love you to that. It's not about that. And we don't think, when we think love, we don't think discipline. Some of us do think commitment. Some of us maybe think work, but we definitely don't think discipline. But when someone comes into your space and you're in a shared space and you're around that person all the time, why would you think you wouldn't need to make changes? So let's say if we're in a relationship and there's two single people coming together into a relationship, you can't bring your single into the relationship. Bring your authentic self, but don't bring your single. All of your, you know, stuff you do when you were single, especially if it's going to impact the other person in a negative way, you're going to have to shift. You can't come into a relationship with anybody and say, I'm not going to change. If it's going to be a healthy relationship, Change is going to have to take place on both parts, not just on one. So, again, we're talking about all kinds of relationships. We're talking about in the family. We're talking, because a lot of people are growing now and making uh, serious transitions in their lives. Like people are leaving their jobs and, you know, they're finding their spiritual paths and, you know, people are, you know, leaving relationships and changing their complete and total person. And then they get upset because they feel like they don't have support from their family. But what I tell them is this, you're the one that's changing. They didn't change. They feel the same. And they're looking at you like, um, what are you doing? And the thing with you is being patient and understanding that you're the one that has changed. So everybody, you know, you're changing. You want everybody to jump on board and say, hey, woo, hoop, hip, hip, hooray. But it's not going to be that way initially. But you still have to continue on your path. 
Continue to do what is spoken to you. Continue to do what you feel is right and authentic for you. Because people will come along or not. We can't, our path can't be, um, our passion to live our path can't be based on who's accepting it and who's not. It has to be based on who we believe we are, who we know we are, and our connection with spirit and following that. And so whenever we come into relationships, we have to come in knowing that change is going to take place, that we're going to see a mirror of who we are in an amplified way, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so as we stated earlier, being open to change is going to be really important for us to be able to have good relationships. So you ask, Melanie, why are you talking about relationships? Why is this so important? You know, the thing is, is that I believe that we're moving to a different time. And I believe that the time that we're in is going to require us to do some different things. Um, maybe even have an exit strategy or, you know, gathering communities, you know, just a whole different ball game. And a lot of times I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to gather in a community and we can't even get along with each other? We can't relate to each other. We can't talk to each other. We, you know, we all over the place, disagreeing. We're letting our humanness be out front. We will tear up a community. So for me, it's really important and part of my passion to really educate people about relationships and learning how to coexist. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what is love. I said to you earlier, for me, love is vibrational energy. It radiates from your being. It is pure light energy from your spirit. It is unconditional. It is embracing. It is, it is fearless. And everyone who steps into your space can feel it. It's not that you have to do or be or create a certain persona. It just is. So let's look at what Gary Chapman says love is in his book, Five Love Languages. Love is a choice. How can we speak each other's love language when we are full of hurt, anger, and resentment over past failures? The answer to that question lies in the essential nature of our humanity. We are creatures of choice. That means that we have the capacity to make poor choices, which we all have done. We have spoken critical words, and we have done hurtful things. We are not proud of those choices, although they may have seemed justified at the moment. Poor choices in the past don't mean that we must make them in the future. Instead, we can say, I'm sorry, I know I have hurt you, but I would like to make the future different. I would like to love you in your language. I would like to meet your needs. 
Love doesn't erase the past, but it makes the future different. When we choose active expressions of love in the primary love language of our spouse, we create an emotional climate where we can deal with our past conflicts and failures. This is very powerful, loved ones. I mean, because first of all, let's start with the first thing. Love is a choice. Everybody chooses to love or not in every situation. So if you're having a conversation with someone and it's volatile and it's getting ugly, you can choose in that moment to love and you can say, I would like to love you in your language. I'm sorry. I know I hurt you. Because the truth is, no matter what your intention is, your intention may have been wonderful. You may have had a great intention, and it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't come off in that way. It didn't translate in that way to the person you're talking to. So looking at how you impacted that person is important. And if you care about somebody, and you see that you've had some type of impact on them, then in that moment, you can choose to continue to impact them in a negative way or what they're perceiving to be negative, or you can choose to love them in that moment. And not saying that your needs won't get met, because your needs will get met later, after the crisis has passed. You don't want to beat somebody over the head with your needs when they're in crisis or when they're feeling hurt, especially if you're okay. You want to step back and choose to love in that moment. And that's really what makes the difference in relationships. Either they're going to last or not last. And so my thing to, to the couples that I, I coach is, do you want to be right or do you want to be in love? Do you want to be right or do you want to be married? And it's really up to them because you can be right today and lonely and by yourself and out of your marriage for no reason because you chose not to love in that moment. And a lot of that has to do with our humanness and just the things we've been through and our conditioning and all the baggage that we bring forward. And that's why I said we have to know that our relationships come to show us what our pain is, and what we need to heal. And it's up to us to surrender to the situation that we're in so that we can receive healing. So knowing the impact that you're having on somebody is really, really important because a lot of times we're just racing, we're just reacting, and not really even paying attention to the person that we say we love. You know, and instead of moving forward and being present, we're in the past, thinking about the past, talking about the past, how the person treated you in the past. And we don't know. Change happens overnight. I say it all the time. Change can happen overnight. It's the resistance that takes a long time. The resistance is what takes a long time. If a person is in their feelings, 
And you know, brothers, a lot of times women, we get in our feelings, <laughs> you know. If we're in our feelings, it's so important for you to know and recognize the impact that you're having. And what we're feeling, which may have absolutely nothing to do with you. We just may be in our feelings, and that's it. Okay? And for the sisters, when you see the brother struggling, trying to hold back, trying to get there with you, you got to stop yourself and recognize the impact that your words are having. This is how we choose to love. This is how we keep it cohesive. We choose it. Very important. Okay? So love is a choice. One of the things I wrote down uh, from the... uh, from that chapter, which I love, and we just went through it, but I want to say it again is, you know, instead of not choosing love and not noticing the impact, we say, I'm sorry, I know I've hurt you, but I would like to make the future different. I would like to love you in your language. I would like to meet your needs. It's important that meeting someone's needs is not like, you know, a problem or a challenge for you. It's like, I don't want to meet this person's needs. Why? <laughs> you know, why? Because I met their needs in the past and they didn't do this. This is your baggage. This has nothing to do with the present moment. Nothing. When you're in the present moment, whatever the need is, because you want to move forward, because you're choosing love, deal with that. The present moment. So important. Okay? So let's move forward. Let's talk about um, how do we choose love. Talk a little bit about that. Okay, we're going to go back to Gary's book. Um, The in love experience that we discussed in Chapter 3 is on the level of instinct. It is not premeditated. It simply happens in the normal context of male-female relationships. It can be fostered or quenched, but it does not arise by conscious choice. It is short-lived, usually two years or less, and seems to serve for humankind the same function as the mating call of the Canada goose. The end of experience temporarily meets one's emotional need for love. It gives us the feeling that someone cares, that someone admires us and appreciates us. Our emotions soar with the thought that another person sees us as number one, that he or she is willing to devote time and energies exclusively to our relationship. For a brief period, however long it lasts, our emotional need for love is met. Our tank is full. We can conquer the world. Nothing is impossible. For many individuals, it is the first time they have ever lived in a full, with a full emotional tank, and the feeling is euphoric. In time, however, we come down from that natural high back to the real world. And if our spouse spouse has learned to speak our primary love language, our need for love will continue to be satisfied. If, on the other hand, he or she does not speak our love language, our tank will slowly drain and we will no longer feel loved. 
meeting that need in one spouse is definitely a choice. If I learn the emotional love language of my spouse and speak it frequently, she will continue to feel loved. When she comes down from the obsession of the in-love experience, she will hardly even miss it because her emotional love tank will continue to be filled. However, if I have not learned her primary love language or have chosen not to speak it, when she descends from the emotional high, she will have the natural yearnings of unmet emotional needs. After some years of living with an empty love tank, she will likely fall out of love or fall in love with someone else, and the cycle will begin again. Meeting my wife's need for love is a choice I make each day. If I know her primary love language and choose to speak it, her deepest emotional needs will be met and she will feel secure in my love. If she does the same for me, my emotional needs are met and both of us live with the full tank. In a state of emotional contentment, both of us will give our creative energies too many wholesome projects outside the marriage while we continue to keep our marriage exciting and growing. I want you to think about that. Meeting my mate's needs for love is a choice I make every day. Hmm. In your relationship, are you making the choice every day to love? Even if it's not necessarily going the way you want it to go, are you making that choice to love anyway every day? Every single day, making that choice to love. Let's take a quick break here to warm up our tea, and we're going to come back and sip on some more tea to heal our inner soul. Thank you for listening to Inner Tea Talk with Milani Shani and sipping on this healing tea for your soul. Please follow and share our podcast so that we can spread our message of global empowerment to everyone. For more information about our mission, products, and services, please visit our website at milanishani.com. That's M-A-L-A-N-E-S-H-A-N-I.com. Get your souls ready to sip on this. And we want to talk about this. Physical touch is a way of communicating emotional love. Physical touch is really, really important. And so these people who like physical touch, they want to be touched. They want you to touch them. They want you to hold hands with them. Um, he says that physical touch can make or break a relationship for these people. It can communicate hate or love. To the person whose primary love language is physical touch, the message will be far louder than words. I hate you or I love you. A slap in the face is detrimental to any child, but is devastating to the child whose primary love language is physical touch. And the same is true for adults. Okay, the physical touch is very important. Very important for these children or these adults. So if you hit them or in a way of anger or touch them in, in, with an intention of, you know, you're upset with them, then it's going to be devastating to them. And you're looking at them like, I barely touched you. 
But if their love language is physical touch, it's going to be devastating. So you have to be really careful with these um, people who have the physical touch. You don't want to touch them in a way that's not loving. Okay? So we've gone through all five of the love languages. And now we want to talk about a little bit about how we put that together in our lives, how we use our love languages to support us um, and our relationships. So we talked about a little bit about it, um, but we want to talk uh, more about it, um, how to put it all together since we have the five love languages. So let's look at words of affirmation and let's look at physical touch. So if you have someone who is worth of affirmation and you have someone who's with them that's all about physical touch, then you want to make sure that you as the person with physical touch love language is speaking, encouraging, uplifting words and giving verbal comp compliments to the person with words of affirmation. Touching this person is not going to give them the same feeling as giving them verbal words of affirmation, okay? Because touching is your thing. It's not their thing, okay? And then the person with the words of affirmation love language, you want to touch, hold hands with, and show lots of touchy-feely affection to the person who has a physical touch love language, okay? You giving them verbal compliments because that's what you want, not going to work for them, okay? And this is what we've been doing. That's why I said you can really tell without a person taking the test online. You can tell what their love language is because they're going to be giving you a lot of it. And your love language may not even be that. You know, my love language is quality time, and I have a person in my life whose love language is active service. So the whole thing is doing stuff. And that's all good and nice, but the time and the quality conversation and the undivided attention is what's important to me. Not the what you do. And like I said, it's not about, oh, I don't appreciate what you're doing. It's not that. It's just that that's not my primary love language. And so pay attention to the people in your life. Pay attention to what it is that they're doing or how they're acting. You know, are you out in public and they want to hold your hand and you're not really into the PDA? You don't really like the public displays of affection. But they really like the public displays of affection. So they're trying to hold your hand and you just want them to do something for you. You just want them to make a bed every day when they get out of it. Okay, so it's speaking the love language. And when you talk to them, you tell them, you know, this is my love language. I believe acts of service is my love language because when you don't make up the bed, it drives me crazy. So can you please make up the bed in the morning when you get out of it, and I will hold your hand, even though it's not my thing. And even though making up the bed is not their thing, we're going to work together and bring it together and love each other. Remember Love is a choice. And when you have all of these understandings, you can choose. 
And you can love. When you love, you know, someone and you have you understand all that it is to understand about them and how they operate and how they function and what they like, when you get it, then you can it's easy to choose to love. But when we're walking around with our own baggage and we're walking around with our stuff and we're walking around with all of this, you know, all of the stuff from the past, it's just really, really difficult to be, to choose love. When we're carrying so much, but know that even if you are carrying a lot of stuff, when you attract love, it's coming to heal. When you attract love, it's coming to heal to restore. And even though the person who comes to heal and restore may have their own baggage, you've come to heal and restore them. But it's really about choosing to love, and how you do that is you get to know the person that you're dealing with and get out of that in love obsession that Gary talked about. Know that that's going to last two years or less. That euphoria and that in love obsession we have, you know, we're thinking, oh, this is going to be wonderful and we're going to always have these feelings and all these fireworks and everything, you know, that's all wonderful, but it's temporary. And if you learn how to speak your mate's love language and you're doing that throughout the euphoric process, then you can continue to have those feelings, but they'll be real. And they'll be based in reality. You know, he talked about you can be kind and loving and generous when you're in the euphoric stage, when you're in that in love obsessive stage. You can be all of that. But it's when all of that is over and done, when you get into the realness of the love, now you're going to see who you really are. Now you're going to begin to experience if you're really ready to heal. If you're really ready to take that journey to choose love. It's not about being in a space of let me see if I want to give my love to this person or let me see if this person is worthy of my love. You know, we walk around with that attitude. We can't, we can't attract love and keep it and maintain it like that. Really, it's about fortifying yourself and getting ready for the journey that you're about to embark upon. That's what it's really all about. When you choose to love, it is a journey. And it's your choice as to how that journey turns out. It's your choice if that journey actually works or not. If if it's finished, if you make it to the end. It's about how you choose in the beginning. Have you gotten to know the person? Have you gotten to know their love language? Have you taken the time? Can you be with them 
with intention, knowing the impact that you're having on them when things are rocky? Can you pull back when you see that your mate or partner is struggling? If you're okay and they're struggling, no matter what your intention is, you know your intention was good, but if your impact has been something that they perceive as not good, can you pull back and say, I love you, I'm sorry, I know I've hurt you, and I want to move forward. I want to learn how to speak your language. This is how you choose to love. You choose it. When you're being disciplined, when you're being committed, you choose it. So when you go out and you're thinking about love and you're thinking about relationships, clear yourself of all of your past baggage as far as your old relationships. You never want to go out looking for love, first of all. You really just want to clear yourself of the old stuff and whatever you dealt with, and you'll attract whatever it is that you need next for yourself. But whenever you're out and love comes to you, begin knowing that this is a journey. This is going to be a journey to healing for both of us. When you start in a relationship, no change is coming. When you say you want someone to accept you for yourself, you are going to become more of yourself when you get into a relationship. When you're hanging out by yourself, you're saying, you know, I'm cool, I'm good. Yeah, you you are, you are, you're very good, you're cool. But when you get into a relationship, it's time to grow. Time to take it to the next level, time to graduate from being cool where you are. So open your heart and know that love is good when you choose it. And if you don't choose it, it's okay, but know that it's your own baggage. Don't blame other people. It's your baggage. And you need to clear a little bit more. Even if you've attracted somebody who you feel like is like, what what was I thinking? It's just for you to know what you need to clear so that you can move to the next level. We have to look at love differently than we have. We have to learn how to clear ourselves and know that when we meet someone for the very first time and we feel that chemistry, we feel that euphoric in love obsession that it's only temporary. The real work is yet to begin. And we can choose to love whenever we want to. Whatever insecurities we have or fear we have, we can choose to allow that to leave us. We can release it and surrender to the process and not fight it. We cannot fight the process. It is key. 
Thank you so much, Sippers, for listening to this broadcast today. I hope that you learned uh, a lot from it. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can at innerttalk at gmail.com. That is innerttalk at gmail.com. If you need support um, in choosing love or support in um, learning how to be in a relationship, in a loving relationship, you can go to my website at milanishani.com. Or you can also log on to auniversity.com. We have lots of classes for you to deepen your self-love. Also, we have private coaching sessions if you want to work directly with a coach to help you to um, get yourself ready for love or ready to choose love. So again, we appreciate you listening. Please hit the, um, if you're listening to this on anchor.fm, please hit the uh, message button up in your right-hand corner and leave us a message and let us know how you like the podcast. I will look forward to your emails and messages. Enjoy the rest of your love day today. This is the Love Goddess, and thank you so much for sipping on this inner tea with me. Be blessed and be well.